You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Welcome to Grace Church. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online, uh, who are worshiping in the venue. Also want to give a, a special shout out uh, to our North Overland Park campus launch team who is worshiping in the venue today and also uh, welcoming uh, those who are worshiping in Olathe. We've been in a series called Go Time where we've been exploring the book of Acts and today we're going to be in Acts chapters 13 and 14 looking at the first missionary journey. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can flip there or if you use your smartphone or tablet, you can find Acts 13 and 14 as well. Uh, Justin last week spoke about what keeps us from going and oftentimes what keeps us from going is fear uh, and he challenged us at the end to not let fear win today. And uh, I think it compels us that when God calls us to go, uh, fear will come to us and we have to fight against that and move forward and to be faithful to where God is taking us. Today, we're going to be looking at this question of why do we go, and we'll explore that through the story uh, of the first mission trip that ever happened. Uh, before we jump into that story and that text today, I do want to at least ask you this question is, where is God sending you? Like today, where is God sending you? If you have been at church, uh, grew up in church, or if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, uh, you will often hear that you have this call on your life to go that's found because Jesus is some of Jesus's last words in Matthew 28. He says, go and make disciples in all the earth. Uh, in Acts 1-8, before Jesus takes the elevator to heaven, I like to think, uh, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so we have this call to go, but where is God sending you? Uh, and if we were really candid, we would like a lot of us would say, is that like, do I need to go across the world? Well, maybe I think you should explore uh, some global missions at some point in your life just to see the world and also to see what it's like to share the gospel in a different context. Uh, but, but you are being sent where God has placed you today. So your job, your family, uh, your, your school, if you're a student. And God has put circles and communities around you. You've gotten specific spheres of influence where God has placed you to send you with this message that Jesus is the Son of God who came, lived, died, rose again, offers life and forgiveness for whoever believes in him. So where is God sending you? And it could be he might be asking you to move. Would you be willing to do that? So uh, as, as we go and talk about the story of why we go, hopefully by the end of this, you'll know why, but you'll also in your own circle and sphere know where God is sending you as well. So when I was a sophomore in college at the University of Georgia, uh, I had, uh, I was dating someone and it was not serious. It was about a month in, maybe, maybe two months in, I can't remember as much, but uh, I would remember um, this one night I was studying in my, my apartment and I, I had a desk that faced the wall. So I was studying and probably not even paying attention. This is when Facebook only was for college students, uh, which was a great time. And it had zero access as well. But like it had very few things to actually do on it. So I was probably doing that. And, um, and then I get this phone call from the girl I was dating and I said, hello. And she did not say a word and it was just silence crickets. And I was like, 
hello? Like I thought something happened to the connection. No, they, they, she's still there. And at this point, you know, being 1920, I was like, this is going to be bad. I know something bad is about to happen. Uh, either I had done something wrong. Uh, she was about to tell me something bad or this was all over. And so uh, I walk outside and again, hey, are you okay? Are you safe? What's wrong? Anything? Nothing. All right. And then finally she musters up these words. The best breakup line I've probably ever heard in my entire life. She says this. She says, God has revealed to me who I'm supposed to marry. And I thought to myself, well, he didn't tell me that. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not me, right? <laughs> like, uh, and she was like, no, it's not you. And, uh, and so, and again, it wasn't serious. It was like a month or two in. And so, um, so she, she was, but the funny thing is she was like, you need to be mad and angry. And I was like, you just told me that God told you who you're going to marry. I can't be mad. Like, how can I be mad? God told you that God said that God said that. And the crazy thing is they actually got married. And, uh, I think I don't, and I think they like, I think they have, I don't stalk them, but you know, I think they have kids. I don't know them, but it's, but God said, right. And so, um, as I was thinking about today, um, like, has God ever told you anything? Has God ever said anything to you? Like, has God told you to do something? And were you faithful? Like, did you carry, did you do what God told you? Because this story that we're talking about today, as we look in Acts 13 and 14, this story is about this church in Antioch who is faithful to what God said. This church who is faithful to what God said. God told them to go, and so they went. And uh, and hopefully that, that Grace Church would be like that, and hopefully you as an individual, it would be a community that when God says we go, and I hope that's the case. Uh, and so it starts in uh, verse 13 and begins in chapter two or ver- chapter 13, verse 2. Uh, and it goes like this. As they ministered to the Lord, this is the church at Antioch, and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Saul is later called Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament and is the, um, he's an amazing apostle among apostles, preachers of preachers. Uh, but uh, set us, set, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Uh, for the work to which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And so God, they're, they're, they're ministering, they're worshiping, they hear God speak to them, they confirm it, and then they go. And uh, God tells them to go. And, and for you, if you're looking for a formula, if you're looking for a way, like, hey, I don't, I don't know where God is sending me. I don't know where I'm going. If you're looking for a formula for that, uh, you, you get a quick formula for, like, how does God speak to people? So it starts with seeking him. So they sought God. They heard from him. God confirmed it, and then they went. It was quick. It was like, it was like that. And uh, for you, if you're looking to figure out, all right, where is God sending me? How is God wanting to use me? Seek him. Wait to hear from him, confirm it, and go. Now, for, for if you're like me, I usually seek him, hear him, and then I confirm it like a couple hundred times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need it. I need, God, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Like, I don't want to do that, but are you sure? Uh, and so it's a very quick progression here, and we don't know. It could have been longer, but but it is. And, I, and even in my own life, for like major decisions, uh, this sought, heard, confirmed, went is actually a lot of little ones. Like every single day I sought, heard, confirmed, went. The next day, sought, heard, confirmed, went. Took the next step. Took the next step. Took the next step. And then you look back and you go, oh my goodness, did you see what God did and where he led me along the way? And so it's not always these big, profound, you're going to go and move and take your family to France and minister and change the country. It's not like that. It's these short little steps along the way. And so this first missionary journey, it happened uh, probably in the mid-40s uh, A.D., 
And 44 to 46 is what some say to put a date on it. Two year long, uh, missionary journey. Uh, and they went, uh, and they started in, uh, they started in Antioch, which is over here. You can follow the blue line on the way out and the red line is on the way in. Antioch is a church that was planted from the church in Jerusalem. Uh, it's the Syrian Antioch. Uh, they sail, they move to the island of Cyprus. This is where Barnabas actually grew up. They minister, share the gospel there. They come up to the second Antioch. Do not be confused. Uh, Antioch and Pisidia, which is in present day Turkey. And they go from there to a city called Iconium. And then from Iconium, they go to a place called Lystra. And to Lystra, they go to a place called Derby, And then they circle back and minister to the people along the way. And so we're going to go through this journey together. We're going to look at this story. We're going to see uh, some tips from Paul and Barnabas along the way. And then hopefully, uh, we're going to leave this place compelled to be a people who goes and shares this message of Jesus to the world around us. So they leave Antioch and they go to Cyprus. And in Cyprus, again, this is where Barnabas grew up. They started sharing the gospel on the east side of the island. They moved to the west side of the island. And they get an audience with the, the governor uh, that, there who is called Sergius Paulus. And he is an intellectual man. This is what Luke says. And uh, they get an opportunity, which is amazing, right? You're, start, you're, you're just starting out. You know that God sent you. And another confirmation, hey, we just got the audience with the governor of this area. This is amazing, right? Like we're getting favor from God here. And so there's only one prop- problem is there's opposition. And you'll notice that every step of the way... Every time you go, you'll face opposition. Like, that's just the truth. Like, if you go to the places that God is calling you to go, you will face opposition. It just will happen. And so you'll see that the opposition that comes is different. Like, the enemy doesn't have the same game plan every single stop along the way. It'll be different because he's trying to get you to stop. And so the opposition in Cyprus is this this Jewish false prophet sorcerer. That's an awesome job description, by the way. This Jewish false prophet sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. Even better name, right? If you're looking for a a kid's name, Bar-Jesus. Awesome. All right, so... But he, he has, he has influence in this governor's life and he does not want to lose his influence uh, over this person. And so he's trying to do whatever he can to keep Paul and Barnabas from being, being able to share the gospel, being able to share the truth with, with this governor. And so Paul and Barnabas have this decision. They can either, uh, leave and give up or they can speak up. And so they choose to speak up in this moment. And, and for you, as you, as you get sent into this world and sent with this message, this life giving, this forgiveness message, this saving message of Jesus, is there's going to be times where you're going to have to speak up. And it, and it, and it feels like this. It looks like this. You ever, have you ever been talking to someone who, who God has put on your heart that to, to have a spiritual conversation with? And, uh, and, and you, you're talking and maybe you're having lunch, maybe you're at coffee, maybe you're just, uh, having a conversation passing by at work or at school. And, and you, you'll notice, um, there'll be a moment, there'll be like a tap in your heart that says, Hey, like, you, you, like there's that guy saying something wrong right there. That guy is, is, is corrupting their thought. That person is influencing them to believe the wrong thing about God or the wrong thing about the world. I need to say something. I need to say something because that's not true of who God is. That's not true of who, what Christians are. And so we have to speak up. Have you ever felt the nudge of the spirit to speak up? Have you ever felt the nudge of the Spirit to share the gospel even when someone was trying to put you down to keep you, to keep someone else from sharing the truth? And so Paul does this. It starts in verse 10. He says this, oh, and he's talking to Bar Jesus directly, oh, full of deceit 
and all fraud, you son of the devil. That's a great way to start. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now, that would be a little bit strong for me. Like, I don't know if your HR department would be cool with you telling someone that. Um, but I would say this is there, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and will, will show you the direction and tell you how strong you need to be uh, and, and how honest you need to be with, with, with whatever you're coming up against, right? And, uh, and it could, like, this was, this would be more appropriate in this day. Now, God tells Paul that he's going to blind Bar Jesus. And so Bar Jesus is blinded. And this opens up an opportunity because Paul spoke up for this governor to hear the gospel. Verse 12, then the proconsul, the governor believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, miracles will, will like, wow, that'll get your attention. But truly, the teaching of the Lord is what, what changed him. Transformation, hearing the gospel message is what changed him as well. So where do you need to speak up? Are there times, are there places? Is there someone that you care about that God has put on your heart for quite some time and that you've been wanting to speak up and you know that someone is corrupting their ideals or their thoughts? It could be a kid, it could be a parent, it could be a friend, and you just need to speak up. Because what if your your words opened up an opportunity to remove an influence that was ruining and, 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 and causing dishonesty and corruption in someone's thoughts and minds and ideals that led them to a place where they could hear who God was, the message of Jesus, and they could believe? And that's what happened here in this story. Like your words could be a bridge so that someone could hear the gospel. And let's be honest, we live in an outspoken world, right? Like we don't have a problem being outspoken on Facebook. Like we don't have a problem when someone comes against our, our political ideals or even our, 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 our favorite sports brand ideals. Some of us have no problem being outspoken about that, but we, we would never be outspoken about the gospel. And what if we took as much consideration to be outspoken about those things uh, as we did about things that don't even last? What do you need to speak up about? And so they move from Cyprus, and this guy believes, and it's in, in, in incredible. I mean, they have he, this guy has influence. They move from Cyprus to a place of, uh, to, they go north to Perga, but then they go to Antioch and Pisidia. And here, it's a more Jewish influence. And so um, to have the most influence, he goes to the city center. And which would be the synagogue. That's where things would happen. That's where the spiritual conversations would happen. But that's also where the, that's also where the social things would happen as well. And so, uh, they go on the Sabbath. They're having a service. And if you are a, a foreign Jew and you're coming from a, a distant land, they'll give you an opportunity to speak at the end of the service. And so they ask Paul if he wants to speak. And Paul says, don't mind if I do. I got some stuff I got to tell you. And, uh, and he does. And he opens from, uh, verse 16 to 25 with this summary of the Old Testament, kind of where the Jews have been pre-Jesus. If you ever want a quick, like, spark notes of the Old Testament in nine verses, uh, Acts 13, 16 through 25 gives you a quick spark notes of that. And then he moves in verses 26 to 41, and he gives a defense for why Jesus is the Messiah, why that in him forgiveness of sins are for the Jews and also for the entire world as well. And so they see people believe, and it's awesome, right? In verse 43, now when the congregation uh, had broken up, Many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And I love this. On the verse 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. 
How many of you uh, received Jesus the first time you heard the gospel? How many of you, the first time you heard the message of Jesus coming, dying, rising again, and faith and, and, and believing in him is what gives you life? And forgiveness. How many of you, the first time you heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus, did you believe? The reality is, is most of us don't believe the first time. And um, I think there's a lot of things you could teach from this section. But I think the thing that we need to be encouraged with today is this, is that Paul went back the next week. Like, sometimes we have to keep trying. Like, sometimes you have to keep trying, sharing the gospel. And I, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like, I had the first spiritual conversation. It didn't go well. I'm not going to go back again. I want to give up. I had a roommate who, uh, he would only do things he was good at. And if he was bad at something, he would try it one time, and then he would never do it again. If you ever ask him about it, no, I, I just don't do that. I don't, I don't do that anymore. Why? Like, it's not... It's not wrong to be bad at something. It's okay. So, but, but he would do that. And I think that happens to us sometimes is you have a spiritual conversation and it gets shut down and you don't want to keep trying because you failed the first time. And, uh, and I think we need to have this spirit of keep trying, going back as, as many times as it takes. I'm going to share. I'm going to try to have conversations to point you to Jesus because you need to know him because his forgiveness is true. His love is real. And this peace and joy that I have is unlike anything you will ever experience. And we have to, we have to, who do you need to go back to? Who do you need to keep trying to share this message with? Who have you given up on that God wants to bring back into the forefront of your mind that you need to have another conversation with? You know, if, if you're a parent in here and you have a kid that has never believed in Jesus, if you have a parent that's walked away from the faith, if you're a kid and your parents have walked away from the faith and they've never believed, if you have a friend, a spouse, whoever it is, keep trying, keep praying, keep, keep asking questions, keep, keep loving, keep offering grace. You can keep doing, you can do it. Like, keep going. It's okay, you can keep going, keep trying. It might not be today, it might be 10 years from now, but keep it up, keep going, you can do it, keep trying. Because this message is real, and we care about people, and we want the whole world to know. We want the whole world to know who Jesus is and what he's done for us, so they can live true life and experience true love. And, you know, sometimes, um, it's interesting, at the end of this little, this part of the journey, uh, they, they leave and it, it uses a phrase like they kick the dust off their, uh, their sandals and they left. And it's, it's because there's a section of that, of that, that, that culture in Antioch and Pisidia that didn't believe. And I think sometimes, um, you might have experienced someone whose heart is incredibly hardened to hearing the message of Jesus. And if that happens, I would encourage you this, don't give up, but maybe press pause and, um, press pause because they need space and room for the seeds that you've planted to grow and to blossom so that when you come back and water it later, maybe they'll be willing to, to hear it again. And that doesn't mean you don't stop loving, but it might mean that you take a break. And that's what they do because they'll end up coming back through Antioch and Pisidia on their return trip. Uh, and maybe you need to do that as well. And so they leave there and they go down southeast to Iconium and, uh, and, and, you know, this is, I think this could be encouraging for us today is that Paul is the apostle of apostles. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament. He's brilliant. He's a great preacher. Like, but Paul didn't, doesn't have a hundred percent success rate. Did you know that? Like Paul's not batting a, a thousand. Paul doesn't have five stars on his review. Like Paul, Paul was not perfect. And, uh, and, and for your own encouragement, when you go is this, is that God doesn't call us to be successful he calls us to be faithful 
God doesn't call you to be successful. He calls you to be faithful. And are you being faithful to what God has called you to? Like if you know, if you know where God has sent you, if you know the spaces that God has, has given you and the influence he's given you, are you being faithful to the places that God has given you? Uh, chapter 14 begins, now it happened in Iconium that they went to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind. They had, they had great success. They had great success. The multitudes believed, but there were still people that got in the way that were trying to corrupt what was doing. And if they focused on their success, they would have been discouraged. But they didn't do that. They continued to minister because they were being faithful to what God had, uh, what God had for them. And I think about the faithfulness in, in the success kind of category in two ways. One is there's this spiritual success that sometimes believers try to attain to. Like we look for this spiritual knowledge that we could, if I could just get to this place where I have this higher understanding of learning, then I will be successful, then I'll be loved by God, then everyone will come to me for all of my knowledge. And then there's also this success of like this is, I don't care about people, I just care about, I just care about numbers. Like I want to minister, I, I, I don't, I don't care about people. I just care about, I'm going to, I'm going to minister and I'm going to share the gospel. And if you don't believe, I don't care. I'm moving on. I'm just going to the next person and the next person, the next person, because people don't matter. I'm just going to get mine. And I think for us, we have to be careful that, that we have to realize is that, that there aren't these, there are spiritual crowns in heaven. But I think if we miss under, if we misunderstand this, if we're trying to find these spiritual prizes that to earn more of God's love, then realizing that, that, that the people that we're ministering to and the people we're sharing this message with are truly the prize, then we miss it. We miss it. People are the prize. You know, non-Christians who don't convert, they say that Christians who try to share with them, the moment they stop uh, the spiritual conversation, they feel like the person doesn't care about them anymore. Is that true of you? Like even in your sharing, even in your circles, like you try to have a spiritual conversation. Is that the only conversation you have with, with the people you're trying to minister to and trying to share the gospel with? Like, do you know about their kids? Do you know about their family? Do you actually care about the, the person? Like, what if, what if we did both? Like, what if we didn't give up sharing this message, but we still loved and showed grace and joy to every single person we went in contact with? It's not about this certain prize we could receive. Let's be, let's go after the prize, which is souls, which is people. The other thing, the other success that gets in the way is this is our own success. Has your own success ever gotten into you being faithful for God? Have you been unwilling to do what God has told you to do because you were worried about your own personal success? Have you been unwilling to, 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 to follow the things? Have you been too busy to do what God has asked you to do because you're concerned with your own personal success, your own portfolio, your own job, your own career, your own family? Have you been too concerned with what God's asked you to do to, to, to raise nice, good kids? Are you being faithful to what God has called you to do? Are you worried about some success that God is not concerned with? God desires for you to be faithful to what he has called you to do. And he's called each, here's a great thing, is he's called each and every single one of us to something. And it's unique to us, designed for us, to push us to know him more and to enjoy truly the best life ever. Truly the best life ever. Are you concerned with your, your success? 
are you worried about being faithful to God? So they leave Iconium. And they go from Iconium to a place called Lystra, which is south of Iconium. And uh, they, 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 as they arrive in Lystra, they notice a man there who has never been able to walk. He's a lame, he's a lame man. He's been lame since birth, cannot be walked since birth. And um, Paul and Barnabas heal him. They're like, well, they, they saw he had faith to, 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 to be healed. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was healed. And, uh, and, and then it gets crazy. And it gets crazy because the people there uh, think that Paul and Barnabas are actually gods coming to visit them in Lystra. And so they think that Barnabas is Zeus, and they believe that Paul is Hermes uh, because he uh, because he's the one that's talking all the time. And so the crowd comes around them. They start bringing animals to sacrifice to them. They start ripping their clothes. And it's crazy. And it's, it gets worse because in verse 19, chapter, four, chapter 14, verse 19, the Jews, their, their, their opposition from Antioch and Iconium came there and they persuaded the crowds, the multitudes. They stoned Paul and dragged him out into the city, supposing he was dead. It gets bad quick. We just healed a guy. Paul and Barnabas are trying to say, hey, no, 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 we're not, we're not gods. We're not gods. Hey, no, 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 don't touch my clothes. Hey, we're not gods. Like, hey, like we're okay. We serve the one true God. You need to know the one true God who created everything, who sends rain for your crops. We know him. And, and they, they get caught up in the chaos of this. And then by the end of the day, they're being, uh, rocks are being thrown at them. And they think that Paul dies. Like, it's so bad. They stone him so bad that the, the crowd leaves because they think that Paul dies. And so, however, when the disciples gathered around him, so they kind of formed a circle around him, he rose up, which this is crazy to me, and he goes back into the city. And, uh, and the next day he departed with Paul, uh, with Barnabas to Derby. I don't know about you, but like, Paul, I'm not going back there. Like, they just, they just tried to kill you. They just thought you were dead. If they realized you're not dead, you're gonna be dead. And, and he goes back in the city. And we don't know why Paul went back in the city. Like, you could say, well, maybe that's where his things were. Maybe that's where the medicine was. But like, what kind of love would it take for someone to try to kill you and you go back to them? What kind of love would that be? What kind of love would that be? Do you have that kind of love inside of you? That someone tries to kill you, yet you would go back to them? Would you be willing to do that? At what cost, what length are you willing to go for people to experience the love of Christ? At what length are you willing to go for people to experience the love of Christ? Paul was willing to give up his life. What about you? What length were you willing to go? Would you you even give up your job? Like if God told you, I want you to quit your job today. I have another job for you for you. But when you do, more people will know me because of it. Would you do that? Would you move? Would you sell your house? If God, if God told you to do that, would you, would you lead your family? Like, I know there's a bunch of stuff that you have to do and you got to run your business and do these different things. But like, but like God told, tells you to lead your family. God tells you to, to take time to spend time with your family. Would you carve out more time so that your, your kids and your, 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 your spouse could spend time with you? Do you know that parents, um, parents have more spiritual influence than any pastor, small group leader, uh, uh, teacher, than any, than, than any other person in a kid's spiritual life? Do you know that? 
Dad, for some reason, dad's even more than moms. And moms, you matter a ton, I promise. But for some reason, dad's even more than moms. What if God is calling you to lead your family? What if, what if he's calling you to be more generous? What if he's calling you to, 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 to have upright pra- business practices? What if he's calling you to care about those who are uh, the misfortunate? What if he's calling you to go, actually go somewhere? What, are, what length are you willing to go for people to experience the love of Christ? I think the reason that Paul was able to do this is because he had encountered the overwhelming love and grace of God. And he, and he encountered this because he was the guy a couple chapters earlier throwing stones at people. He was the dude that was trying to kill the, the Christians. He was the Jewish guy that was trying to kill the Christians. And when he was trying to do that, God stopped him in his tracks and said, Hey, no, Paul, listen, why are you persecuting me? Why, why are you persecuting me? Why are you trying to ruin what I'm trying to do? And in that moment, he received Christ and, and, and God offered grace and love and forgiveness to him when he did not deserve it. And he had encountered the tangible love of God that overwhelmed him and compelled him to go share this message with every single person. Paul talks about this in Romans, how he wishes that he could lose his seat at God's table so that his entire, so that all of the world or all of his Jewish people and people could see Jesus for who he was and receive the gospel, this love, this joy, this forgiveness that was his. He would give it up so his, this entire world could see it. What, what, what compels you? Have you experienced this love of God? Have you experienced this overwhelming love of God that you can't, you can't help but share it? You can't help but go and tell every single person because every single person, you, I have this, you have to have this. I have this love, you have to have this love. I have this joy, you have to have this joy. I have this peace, you have to have this peace. Have you experienced the overwhelming love of God? Have you experienced that? And maybe you have. And maybe it's been a while. Like maybe you're like, I've experienced that, but that, that has ceased. That has died inside of me. That's like a little flickering light that I need to burst. I need to put some gasoline on that and have that blow up in my life so that I can get that joy, that fire back inside of me so that the whole world will know Jesus. Have you experienced that overwhelming love of God? And there's people that, that, that don't fully understand. Like you might be here and you might think that I am full of steam and a talking head. Like I don't get why Christians even do that. It's because if you've encountered that, you can't, you're not the same. Like if you've encountered that, you're never the same. You're never the same. And, 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 and you, you can't help but do it. You're never the same. And if you want to experience that, if you want to understand that, this love, this grace, this acceptance, this joy, this hope, this future hope, that we have someone that's going to return and make this world right, you can do that today. You can surrender your life to Jesus today. So they leave Lystra and they go to Derby. And uh, they make disciples there. It says there's not really a big story in Derby. They make disciples, and then they return back, and they encourage the, 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 the new uh, believers, the people that have surrendered their hearts to Jesus. They go back to Antioch, and then they, they, they sail home, and they celebrate all that God has done. And as today, as we started with this idea of where is God sending you, I hope today that you have an idea of that. And if not, I hope that you can follow that that. that that little formula of seeking him, hearing him, confirming it and going. And I hope that God speaks to you today what that is. But what, after you know where God is sending you to and what he's calling you to do is, is why will you go? Why will you go? And maybe you, after this you might say, I'm not. 
Like, I'm, I'm here, it's good, nice service, nice music, let's move on. But why will you go? Will you go because God said? Is that enough for you? Like just to be faithful to God. Like that, no, God told me, so I'm going to do it. The king of kings, the, the, the creator of the universe told me, so I'm going to do it. Will you go because God said that's enough? Will you go because going creates disciples? Like for some reason, every place they stopped at, people believed in Jesus. Did you know that? Every place they stopped at, people believed in Jesus. And when you go and you share this story, people hear the gospel. And it, it sounds like foolish to some that God would leave heaven and, and die in our place so that we could have life forever with him. That sounds foolish, but when people hear that, they cling to it because it stops being the rat race of climbing the ladder to God. And it starts being the fact that God came to earth for you. And here's the thing is people took that message and they shared it with you. And your message, you going, could, could, could lead to people believing and that hundreds of years from now, people could be indebted to the fact that you chose to go because someone told you and someone told them and someone told them and someone told them and someone told them this good news of Jesus. Why will you go? Or maybe it's this, it's maybe that you can't help but go. It's because you've, you've discovered, you've encountered this overwhelming love of God. And maybe you've missed that over the last six months. And maybe you need to find that today. Maybe you need to remember what that love is like the first time that you believed in Jesus. Let's pray. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. I pray that we would be a people that go. I pray that we would be a people who who truly follow you. And God, I pray that you would tell us where to go and that you would, you would compel us and show us why to go. God, would you use us to take this message to everyone around us? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.